Welcome to episode 19 of the Ball Street Podcast, now available wherever you get your podcasts and at Ball Street Pod on Instagram and Twitter. There's an old proverb that says a man's got to make one bet a day or else he could be walking around lucky and never know it. We'll see about that. Let's get started. of successfully navigating an asteroid field is approximately 3,720 to 1. Never tell me the odds. I don't know where I've been, Lou. Oh, my God. You can spot the sucker in your first half hour, and you are the sucker. Get busy living, and get busy dying. I always tell it, even when I lie. A lot of game. A lot of hustle. Come on. We've been doing What is up, my Ball Street elites? Yes, my essential workers. Welcome back. Welcome back. Recording live, as always, in the studios of the Ball Street Podcast, which, of course, is my car, the Jeep Grand. Nope, not Grand. I might be getting a Grand, but for now, it's just a Jeep Cherokee in the abandoned parking lot of Bloomfield, Connecticut, where nobody really knows. This is going to be released on August 21st. I'm recording on August 20th, a little bit later this week. I think I'm not actually going to start moving this podcast release date to every Monday from here on out because my schedule is more conducive to that because I've recently went through a minor change just to keep you guys in the know of what's going on for your host. And of course, I am your host, as always, Jake Lenick. So where do we get started? Where do we get started? Well, if you listened to last week's podcast, you may know exactly where we are going to get started. Last week, I talked about UFC 252. I gave you a couple picks. I gave you a parlay. It was a, it was a great, great event, except for the fact that for the second week in a row, I am coming to you as a defeated man. A man whose head is down below his shoulders. I'm hanging my head, I have my tail between my legs, and I'm going to ask for your forgiveness because I told you to take Sean O'Malley last week. And again, an unfathomable mush came our way. Sean O'Malley is the better fighter. Sean O'Malley is the bigger name. UFC needed Sean O'Malley. Sean O'Malley needed the UFC to make bank. However, mid-fight, This guy, Sean O'Malley, doing some fancy bullshit, seemingly tore up his ACL or broke his ankle. I don't even know. He just stopped fighting. It was weird. It looked like a non-contact injury in football. You immediately, your head went to the worst places that it could possibly go. Oh, this guy's ruined. Oh, this guy's career is over. This is terrible. You're not even thinking about the money that you're losing because of the extent of the injury. It looked that bad. Because in a non-contact injury, you always start thinking, oh my God, something tore up in his leg. His anatomy is completely compromised, right? Wrong. After the fight, this guy suffered no broken bones, no torn ACLs, no nothing. Diddly squat. And I'm pissed because I wanted to feel for Sean O'Malley. I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt. I wanted to be like, well, if I lost money, you know, I actually don't care because I hope Sean O'Malley is better. This guy gave up. Vera, the guy he lost to, called him a squid or something like that. He said the squid just gave up. 
I don't want to fight him again because he's a he, he's a he's a con artist. And you know what? He very well might be. But I don't know who he's conning. He conned his way out of mi- many, many millions of dollars. They were gearing this guy up to be the next Conor McGregor type character. And now we sit here, mushed, like a bunch of mushed potatoes, a little mushy pie, mashed all over the place. Money scattered all, all, all around parts of the United States and the world in bookies all in the four corners of the universe. And I don't even know which way is up. So Sean O'Malley, I'm pissed. I'm pissed. I wanted to like you, Sean O'Malley. You had a good, good thing going for you. You had the wacky hair. You had an interesting attitude. You talk some smack. You back it up. Not anymore, man. You made me lose money. I've been watching boxing. I've been watching boxing for far too long to know when I see a dive. That was a dive. If he didn't suffer any broken bones, that was a dive. Sure, he took a couple of blows to the face. The referee stopped it quickly. But that was a dive. Sean O'Malley. Now on my shit list. But let's go on. Let's move on. I don't want to be in such a negative place. We started last week's podcast in a negative place. It's good to start the podcast in a negative place because you have nowhere to go but up. I'm all about positivity. You know, I may be a schmuck. I may be a curmudgeon. I may be all of these things. However... I like to be positive. I'd rather be happy. It's cool. And I have been happy. The NBA playoffs, I've been hot. I mean, I can't brag about all my wins with uh with the NBA because I didn't say it on this podcast. So I'm not gonna I'm not going to say stuff that I did, even though I did it on this podcast, because if I didn't say it on the podcast, I didn't do it at all. But I did. I did do it and I did win and I won a lot so far on the NBA playoffs. But I'm not even gonna talk about how much I won on the NBA playoffs, even though I'm going like uh like six and three right now or something like that. Something close to that. I've been hot with the NBA playoffs. But that's not important because I didn't say it on the podcast. I'm going to tell you about something that I've been telling you guys for weeks, for months. Soccer, Champions League. I can't remember what episode or how many weeks ago it was, but I told you. I told you to do one thing. There were two teams to keep an eye on in the Champions League. I told you to take future bets on both of them. And the two teams I am talking about is PSG. You may remember my correct pronunciation of it, my French pronunciation of it. Paris Saint-Germain, PSG from France. And then the other juggernaut, which has never led a Ball Street elite astray. The Bayern Munich juggernaut. Bayern Munich. I told you guys to take future bets for these two teams to win the Champions League weeks ago. That was months ago, motherfucker. And what happened? I really sincerely hope you listened to that piece of advice. That sage piece of advice. You know why? Because the Champions League final is coming up on Sunday. And it's going to be a hell of a matchup. It's going to be a hell of a matchup. Do you know who the two teams that are playing for the final is? Do you know who the two teams that are going to be meeting each other? One of the two teams has to win the Champions League. The future bet that I told you to take months ago. It's going to be PSG versus Bayern Munich. Please tell me you took that with me. Please tell me you took that with me. Champions League final PSG versus Bayern Munich. I tried telling y'all. I tried telling you all. Hopefully you listened. I I trust that you did listen. 
Because Ball Street elites listen to Ball Street elites. We know a winner when, when we see one. And that's PSG and Bayern Munich. Can't wait for Sunday, Champions League final. I don't, I, I'm not even going to make any side action on it, even though I think Bayern Munich will win. I'm not putting side action on it. I can't remember the last time I was in this position where no matter what, I turn a huge profit. I'm going to watch that soccer game, Partido de Football, or Jugar de Football, as they say in Spanish-speaking countries, and I can't wait to watch that game with my feet kicked all the way up in the air, knowing that in either situation, I am a winner. It's been a while since I can say that in such confidence. I've been winning, but it's been a while since I could say that with such confidence before a game actually started. That's that's pretty fun stuff. But I know what puts asses in the seats. My job in radio currently is as a producer, and you need to know what the what gets the people going. And what gets the people going is the NBA bubble. It's bubblicious. That was a good gum. I like bubblicious gum. On my deathbed, I will make my last words might be like, I liked Bubblicious Gum, and then I'll just pass on. Those will be my last words on my deathbed. Bubblicious Gum was pretty damn good. And there goes Jake Lenick. But the bubble, the NBA bubble, the playoffs have started. Now, there's a lot of great storylines coming out of here. I think it's funny, um, a lot of things, how losers are getting excuses, winners are creating validity people are skewing the bubble based on their narrative and i'm not gonna i'm not even gonna go that far yet it's too early in the playoffs i already told you i'm gonna do the same exact thing and it's gonna make me very happy doing it so i i don't mind how people are doing it but i'm laughing while watching people employ the tactics that i already explained that i was gonna do on this podcast weeks ago and i already knew it was gonna be a thing i already knew it was going to be a thing but I am laughing watching people do it so early on in the playoffs. I do it more when it's like championship level things. Like if my teams are competing for championships, it's valid. If people that I don't like are competing for championships, it's not valid. But first round, what are you going to do? There's two storylines that emerge in the first round that are making me quite happy. Quite happy. And of course, I'm recording this before game two of Lakers Blazers. I assume... I've never been so certain. I don't know. I, I, I came to you guys last week and I said the Blazers are going to give the, the Lakers trouble. Again, that was before anybody in the national media was saying how great the Blazers are, how underrated. The Ball Street elites stay a little bit ahead of the curve. Just a little bit. You know, it was about, you know, four or five days ahead of the curve. And then it became a national storyline. Damian Lillard started lighting everybody up. And then all of a sudden it becomes a national storyline how the Blazers are not an actual eight seed. I'm not going to say they listened to the podcast. If they did, I certainly didn't get the statistics. But I'm okay with it because I know that they're ghosting me in some some way, shape, or form. But here we are on August 20th. It's going to be released on August 21st, this podcast, as I said. And the Blazers are up one nothing. Now, I truly believe that the Blazers are going to lose game two to the Lakers. The line currently is minus six and a half. I'm probably going to be betting on the Lakers pretty heavily. That does not mean I think the Lakers are going to win the series. I said last week that I'm riding and dying with my Blazers, and I'm going to say it this week that I'm riding and dying with my Blazers. I truly believe that the Blazers can beat the Lakers. I'm not saying that 
because of any type of bias, as much as you may think, a little homerism. They got my two main guys on there, Damian Lillard and Carmelo Anthony, and the Lakers have my one, you know, really, really, really good friend, LeBron James. So it's a little bit hard for me to decipher which way I want to go on this, but I'm still sticking with my Blazers pick. I said it even before the playoffs started. It's the Blazers. Carmelo Anthony has a juju around him. It's his time. We need to get him to the promised land. And Damian Lillard is a shepherd. Damian Lillard is Carmelo Anthony shepherd. But this team is stacked. I said it last week. CJ McCollum, Nurkic, Hassan Whiteside, Zach Collins, Gary Trent Jr., bucket guy. Like, we, we went over the roster. This is no secret. So the Blazers are a fun storyline. I'm going to be monitoring it closely, and I love watching them play. And hopefully, 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 Carmelo Anthony finally can plow forward, beat his good friend LeBron, who's already complaining about not having enough teammates and no depth and all this. Meanwhile, Carmelo Anthony's hitting clutch jump shots, and he had numerous attempts to sign Carmelo Anthony. That's a LeBron James problem. I'm not letting anybody talk about the depth when it pertains to the Lakers because they had numerous, numerous opportunities to sign Carmelo Anthony. But that's not the only underdog I'm talking about today because as you all may know, I'm also a Dallas Maverick, a Dallas Mavericks fan. I'm a Maverick myself, a little renegade, a little renegade with a cowboy twist, the Dallas Mavnicks. Yes, because they have Trey Burke, Tim Hardaway Jr., and Christos Porzingis tearing it up as a seven seed against the Clippers. And the Dallas Mavericks are proving to be a very formidable opponent. Arguably should be up to nothing right now. Arguably. Christos Porzingis gets ejected. The technical fouls were warranted. I'm not going to talk about this. This is too serious. It's too, uh, you know, hot takey for me. <laughs> but... Christos Porzingis shouldn't have been disqualified from that game. It shifted the game drastically. It was more NBA propaganda bullshit. But if Christos Porzingis does not get suspended in game one, I realistically think that the Mavericks would be up 2-0 right now. Right now it's tied 1-1, but the Mavericks have been pretty unarguably the better team in the series. It's funny because the Blazers and the Mavericks are playing the two Los Angeles juggernauts that everybody had pinpointed as the Western Conference Finals this year. How funny would it be if those two L.A. teams that everybody had penciled into the Western Conference Finals just lost in the first round? I mean, I get it. The NBA doesn't want to see that. Pretty much nobody wants to see that besides me because I'm just an NBA purist, I guess. But how funny would it be if that happened, it would piss the whole world off and they don't even know it. Everybody wants to love Damian Lillard. Everybody wants to love Luka. Well, I don't even think people want to love Luka Doncic. People try to get every out to try to belittle Luka Doncic's accomplishments. And I don't understand why. I think he's such a likable, lovable guy. And I think the whole Mavericks team is a likable, lovable bunch. Young team, well-coached, good organization. But it would be so funny if the two L.A. teams that make headlines, that are marketable, all of that, just get bounced in the first round. Even funnier would be if the Portland Trailblazers and the Dallas Mavericks play each other in the Western Conference Finals in some totally poetic mutiny 
against the patriarchy that is superstars in the NBA. I don't know where I just pulled those words out from, but I think it would be hysterical. But with that, with that, with the Blazers and the Mavericks, Blazers and Mavericks themed rant, I want to get into the segment that we do every week, which of course is the Jerry Stiller, Kobe Bryant Memorial First Team All Maverick. Start the Standing at 5'9", from a galaxy far, far away, Han Solo! Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, wait, you thought... Oh, wait, stop the music, stop the music. You thought that I meant Mavericks, as in the Dallas Mavericks. Wrong. No, 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 no. This is first team all Maverick, not all Dallas Mavericks. Now, to let you guys in on the definition of what a Maverick is, I touched on it briefly about a second ago. But let's just get a couple things very clear before I start with the Kobe Bryant, Jerry Stiller Memorial First Team All Maverick list. A couple things that you need to know about a Maverick is one, a Maverick has a confidence and security to be who they are, no matter what, no matter where, all the time. Number two, a Maverick lives by their own moral code. They do what they think is right. Sometimes it's against the law, sometimes it's with the law, sometimes it's defending justice, sometimes it's creating havoc. That's what a maverick does. And three, I'm not doing maverick cops on this list. There are such things as maverick cops, like cops that break the law, i.e. like McNulty from The Wire, he'll do whatever it takes to get his job done and get it done correctly, but it, it stirs a lot of pots, it ruffles a lot of feathers. Maverick cops are a cliché cliche and I'm not going to touch it so with that let's get started with our Jerry Stiller Kobe Bryant Memorial first team all Maverick list start the Standing at 5'9", from a galaxy far, far away, Han Solo! Now let's get one thing very, very clear. Han itself, paired along with Solo, is a totally maverick name. You cannot name your kid Han Solo, like, and that's my boy, unless he has some sort of maverick-like quality in him. But him and Chewbacca epitomize what a maverick is. They lived on a moral code of making money or defending justice whatever they thought was right they were outlaws when they were pretty much just mercenaries trying to collect money doing little bits for little uh side hustles and then when luke skywalker comes along and they see how important the war against the dark side of the force is they pair up with the good guys and fight darth vader and the dark side so han solo and chewbacca i feel like mavericks also have some sort of renegade sidekick all the time. And we're going to get into that. There's more on this list, obviously. But that's like a little side quality of a Maverick. I feel like they need a little renegade sidekick. So, at shooting guard, standing at 6'1", from Beaver, Utah, 
Robert Leroy Parker, a.k.a. Butch Cassidy. Now, you can't mention Butch Cassidy without another one of these renegade sidekicks, Harry Alonzo Longabaugh, a.k.a. the Sundance Kid. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, you have to know about that. But you tell me what this sounds like. And I should say that all of the stats and info I'm going to recite is taken almost directly from Wikipedia. The best source, the most uh, completely trustworthy source of all time. Don't listen to what school tells you if you're still in school. Cassidy and the Wild Bunch wreaked havoc in places like Idaho, Utah, Wyoming, and New Mexico before fleeing the country to evade law enforcement. To make a clean escape, Cassidy and the Sundance Kid took a flight from New York City to South America in 1908. They got involved in a shootout with local authorities in Bolivia, and it's believed that the two men lost their lives there. If you die in a shootout in South America before people traveled there, before people traveled in general, you will most likely make this list. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Maverick, shooting guard. At small forward, standing at 5'10", from West Baltimore, Maryland, Omar Little! Dude didn't give a single f He literally lived by his own moral code at all times, did whatever he thought was right at all times, protected justice, served justice in whatever way he thought was right. He marched to the beat of his own drum and lived by his own moral standard, down to every last detail, down to his sexuality. I feel like being gay is kind of like a maverick type of thing to do. That's Omar Little. Good for him. At power forward, standing at 5'11", from Griffin, Georgia, John Henry Doc Holiday. You tell me what this sounds like. We're going to play this game again. Excerpt taken from Wikipedia. Before he became a professional gambler and gunslinger out west, Wall Street elite, he became a dentist who built his career in Atlanta. Like good friend Wyatt Earp, renegade sidekick, and also a decent maverick himself, Holiday was a drifter and risk taker, realizing playing poker was more lucrative than dentistry. I mean, we all know that that's true, especially in current times, that, that holds up. He became a gambler and traveled westward, Texas, Wyoming, Colorado, New Mexico, and Arizona. It was in Texas where he met Earp, and the two became lifelong friends. Holiday would eventually follow Earp to Tombstone, Arizona, and fight side-by-side side with him in the OK Corral shootout. The OK Corral shootout. Another shootout. Wild card. Maverick move. At 36, Holiday succumbed to tuberculosis in Colorado. Tuberculosis. Major Maverick way to die. John Henry, Doc Holiday, your power forward on the all-Maverick list. At center, standing at 5'8", whereabouts sort of unknown, but most likely New York City, New York is where he was born, Henry McCarty, a.k.a. Billy the Kid. Let's play the game again. You tell me what this sounds like. One of Pat Garrett's deputies on the hunt for Billy the Kid was Bob Olinger. Olinger was reputed to be a bullying man who wasn't above shooting a man in the back. He had also allegedly shot a friend of Billy's, earning the kid's hatred. Naturally, Olinger was chosen along with James Bell to guard Billy in Lincoln Prison after his sentencing. There are two stories as to how Billy the Kid managed to escape his imprisonment by Bob Olinger in Lincoln. 
In one story, a friend left a gun for him in the outhouse that he was permitted to use, while in the other version, his small hand slipped through a manacle and allowed him to take James Bell's gun away. Both versions, however, include the famous way that Billy the Kid got his revenge on Bob Olinger. Olinger heard the gunshot which killed Bell, mistakenly thought that Bell had shot Billy, and ran back to the building where Billy was being held. Billy then appeared in one of the windows holding Olinger's shotgun, shouted, Hello, Bob! And killed Olinger with a blast from both barrels. That's a, that's a brilliant Maverick move. Brilliant Maverick move. Billy the Kid, your center, your captain of the Kobe Bryant, Jerry Stiller Memorial, first team all Maverick list. Great, great Mavericks on that list, and we salute them. I try to be a little bit Maverick-like myself, but I, I, honestly, I got nothing on these guys. So... Let's move on to Jake's Takes, my gambling picks of the week. And I'm going to start it off. We got an event on Sunday. We got an event on Sunday. One that is a little bit later than it usually is, but we're going to get it nonetheless. One of the greatest events that I ever went to in my life, and I'm talking about the Indy 500. The Indy 500 is this Sunday. It will be fanless, which is crazy because that is one of the most packed events I've ever been to. There's a concert in the infield. There's fans packed in the millions of seats. In, well, not millions, but hundreds of thousands of seats that are in that place. It's a massive event. But there's only one person to go and bet on in this, and that is the Aussie, Scott Dixon. In the orange and blue Indy car. He won the last year I went there. He's going to win it again this year. He's on a tear. He's an unstoppable force from nature. Scott Dixon, your winner of the 2020 Fanless Indy 500. Now, let's move into the NBA bubble. I, I just have to say this. If you can find this bet, just continue to grab it and never let go. Hold it and never let go like it's the person you love most. If the Celtics stay within a five-point favorite against the 76ers on August 21st, you need to take it. I have been on the Celtics on both games, and they have been... The, the first game wasn't as kick your feet up, but I knew it was going to hit. I knew it was going to hit, and it did. Yesterday's game, where the Celtics blasted the 76ers by like 30 after the Sixers took like a 20-point lead in the first quarter was some of the most easily easy gambling I've ever done. If the Celtics stay as a five-point favorite against the Sixers, you grab it and you never, ever, ever let go. That's free money right there. My word to you, take the Celtics against the Sixers. Thank me later. Also, an additional pick. I originally had Indy over Miami, but Miami looked good today. Miami looked good today, so I'm going to scrap that one. Miami, I thought the hype train was too real. I, I, I don't trust Indy as much as I did before. So let's scrap Indy. I'm not saying Indy. This is me not saying the Indiana Pacers are going to win game three against Miami. Simply not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But I did bet on the Mavericks yesterday. I did bet on the Mavericks. That's a hungry young squad. I already w went on a giant rant about this. If the Mavericks come in to game three is underdogs, which they will, probably about four and a half, I would assume, like they've been pretty consistently to start the series. Take them. I'm saying take Mavericks game three. And those are Jake's takes 
of the week. Speaking of the week, let's move in to our other segment called the Goat of the Week. <laughs> the Goat of the Week this week is Kema Sivarand. Now, if you don't know that name off the top of your head, but it may ring a bell or two, let me tell you what this guy did to deserve the Goat of the Week <laughs> honor. This is an undrafted cornerback cut after sneaking a girl dressed as a player to his room in Seahawks training camp. Now, I'm torn on this because sometimes the go to the week can get a little bit sarcastic, but I really don't know if this is like the smartest or the dumbest thing a person can ever do. So let me weigh out the pros and cons of this for you a little bit. The reason why I believe that this is like the smartest thing anybody's ever done, maybe he knew that he wasn't good enough to make the roster. And I'm not saying that that's an excuse to take yourself out of contention to get a roster spot. But he did a horrible job disguising a girl to take to his room and get cut from the team. And the reason why I think that that's smart is because right now on this podcast and across the nation on all radio and podcast shows, they're talking about Kema Sivarand. They know his name. We would not know who this kid's name is otherwise. So this sort of made a name for the guy. Now, we know that names don't always have success in the NFL, i.e. Colin Kaepernick. If you make a lot of shockwaves for negative reasons in perception, I'm not saying that Colin Kaepernick's reasons are negative, but if if your talent level doesn't exceed your headache, whether it's good or bad headache, NFL teams more than other professional leagues tend to stay away from you. But... This is an undrafted cornerback who made a name for himself. He might get a shot just because people know his name now. They'll be like, oh, is that the guy who snuck the girl in? All right, let's give him a shot. Seems like a cool guy. He's just a dude. Dude being dudes. How often do we talk about that on this podcast? Now, the negative is pretty obvious. You know, you get the shot of a lifetime and you blow it because you wanted to sneak a girl into your room. But I'm still leaning towards the first thing. I think I might have just sold myself on the go to the week being the smartest guy ever. I think he did it because he's smart. I think he did it for marketing reasons. As they say in the biz, no publicity is bad publicity. That's what I like to think Mike Hema Severand is. The guy who got cut trying to get a nut. That's a pretty unpoetic way to say it. Pretty disgusting way to say it. But it's still true and it rhymes, so it's funny. But Kema Severin, Severin, however you pronounce his name, making a name for himself. Our go to the week. <laughs> Kema Severin, Severin, go to the week. <laughs> okay, you hear that. That's our final bell, which means it's time for my final words on episode 19 of the Ball Street Podcast. And I want to talk about dog names today. I'm not a fan of, like, old man dog names. Like, I get the irony of naming a dog like George or Henry or something like that. It's kind of funny for like a second, but then you're stuck with a dog for like 13 years that you have to call George or Henry. And then like half the people that you tell the name will laugh, but the other half will be like, that's a stupid name for a dog. Not a fan of the old man names for dogs and old women names for dogs. Like if a dog's named Mary, stupid name, do better. But I don't want to talk about the names that I don't like. I want to talk about the names that I do like and how it pertains to me. I have always had this vision in my head of being a dog owner. I've never owned a dog in my adult years. I grew up with dogs, but never myself have I ever 
owned a dog and took care of a dog, but it will happen one day. I've had this theory, fantasy, whatever you want to call it, of getting an English Bulldog and a Rottweiler. Now, the English Bulldog name that I have for my English Bulldog has never wavered, it won't waver, and it will, for, and it will forever be this because it's appropriate. I'm going to name it Roquan, and I'm going to call it Roro. And the reason for this, it's going to be named after Roquan Smith, the former Georgia Bulldog, the team that I root for on the college football level, who turned into a Chicago Bear, who's an absolute stud. So the English Bulldog that I'm going to get is going to be named Roquan, a.k.a. Roro, for Roquan Smith. Now, here's the other part about this. I was also, in this fantasy, going to get a Rottweiler. I still am going to get a Rottweiler. I love Rottweilers. Rottweilers are sick. But I always thought I would name my Rottweiler Ruffin, after one of my favorite singers of all time, David Ruffin. Ruffin, rough, good name for a dog. But I think I changed my mind. Because as many of you guys know, I'm a tennis player. And I was talking to a friend of mine who was telling me how she grew up in a tennis facility that had a cat. So it's a cat in a tennis facility, and the cat's name was Topspin. And I'm like, that's cute. I like that. That's a cool name for a cat. It's not a real human name. It separates the cat from a human. It's a cute cat name. I'm not a cat guy myself, but I like that name for a cat. But a Rottweiler, it had me thinking. As a tennis guy myself, I think I'm going to switch Ruffin to Slice. A Rottweiler named Slice, that's badass. And I know badass and Rottweiler don't really mix well, mesh well. People tend to get scared. But my Rottweiler is going to be sweet. It's going to be cute. And it's going to be playful. Got a little Slice. That's what I'm naming my Rottweiler. Slice. That's my final bell. That's my final word. And I'm, I'm very happy that you all listened and stuck it out this long. Thank you, as always, for listening to episode 19 of the Ball Street Podcast. As always, I will remind you to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Ball Street Pod. That's at Ball Street Pod on Instagram and Twitter. That's at the at sign B-A-L-L-S-T-R-E-E-T-P. O-D. Okay, now you know what time it is. Let's speed it up for the Ball Street Elites. I know that brains don't work that slow, but in case we have new listeners that need to ingratiate themselves with the Ball Street Podcast, that was for them. This is for the returners, the Ball Street Elites that have been here week by week, churning the wheel, churning the wheel, dollar in a dream, salt of the earth type stuff. Ready? Follow me on Instagram and Twitter, at Ball Street Pod, at B-A-L-L-S-T-R-E-E-T-P-O-D. Fuck with me. And that's going to conclude episode 19 of the Ball Street Podcast. Thanks again for sticking around and listening. And as always, until next time, remember to hedge your bets and you don't gamble to win. You gamble so you can gamble the next day. Peace. That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. You're riding high in April, shot down in May. But I know I'm going to change that tune when I'm back on top back on top in June I said that's life and as funny as it may seem some people get their kicks stomping on a dream but I don't let it 
let it get me down Cause this fine old world, it keeps spinning around I've been a puppet, a pauper, a pirate, a poet A pawn and a king I've been up and down and over and out And I know one thing Each time I find myself Flat on my face I pick myself up and get back in the race That's life That's life I tell you, I can't deny it I thought of quitting, baby But my heart just ain't gonna buy it And if I didn't think it was worth one single try I'd jump right on a big bird And then I'd fly I've been a puppet, a pauper, a pirate, a poet A pawn and a king I've been up and down and over and out And I know one thing Each time I find myself Laying flat on my face I just pick myself up And get back in the race That's life That's life That's life And I can't deny it Many times I thought of cutting out But my heart won't buy it But if there's nothing shaking Come this here July I'm gonna roll myself up in a big ball and 